Good morning. Good morning. I'm John Cavanaugh, and I serve as an elder and shepherding deacon in Church of the Palms. Ellen and I have been members of this church since 1977, so we're probably some of the senior citizens around here. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Oh God, help us in this worship to get out of ourselves and focus on you. Let us lose ourselves in praise and thanksgiving. May we be lifted up beyond our earthly worries and concerns to your presence, where we hear the angels sing, holy, holy, holy. Then send us back to life prepared to serve the Lord's purposes and his people, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
If you are able, please stand for call to worship. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 118. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast, his steadfast love endures forever. Let us worship God. Friends, God's love is indeed steadfast. God's mercy is everlasting. God's forgiveness is sure for us. Therefore, in that confidence of God's love and mercy, let us pray our confession together. 
O oh God, we admit our motives are not always pure. Our lives often tainted with self-centeredness. Bring a new honesty into our awareness, O oh God. Help us to see ourselves not as final failures, but as people who have missed the mark, as those who have fallen short of the goal. Then, O oh God, knowing your forgiveness, show us our possibilities through Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, and the old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. As God's forgiven children, let us affirm our faith together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as a part of the family of faith, let us mosey around and greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning, church family. 
Welcome to the sanctuary and on TV. It's a good day to worship. The sun is out, but not hot, I'm told. <laughs> so today we welcome once more our beloved friend and uh, former pastor, Dr. Porter, to bring us God's words. Thank you for being here, Dr. Porter. And we have some announcements. Uh, as you know, we all know and have been praying for, our mission group led by Pastor Bruce Hatchpath is returning from Nicaragua today. Well, most of them, but some of them will be there for another week. So let us continue to pray for those that are still going on doing mission work in Nicaragua. There would be a sign up, as I mentioned last week, there is Rock the Universe a youth event. So look in the bulletin, and if you have a young person in your family, please sign up. And this Wednesday night on the 12th, 6 to 8, is in the campus center, that family movie night, uh, playing The Emperor Has the New Groove. All are welcome. And also, our church is online. It's really fun. Sometimes when um, I can't sleep or I woke up for some odd reason at night, it's really fun to get on the church's website and see what else is going on beyond what I know. So I invite you. <laughs> it's true, I don't know very much. So <laughs> I, I invite you also to do the same. It's a good thing to check in to know what we are all about and what else is coming up. Let us continue to worship God.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we have come to praise and honor you. We are but one small part of your church universal, one small gathering of the people for whom you have poured out your love in Christ our Savior. Accept our praise and joy as we lift up your name, giving thanks for your grace and telling others of your kindness to us. Trusting that your love is for all people, we pray for those who are in terrible situations. We pray for the refugees caught at sea or in dangerous places. We pray for those caught in war, those burdened with opposition, and those held captive by poverty. We pray for flood victims in Myanmar and for those who are sick and anxious, lonely and afraid. We pray for those who are getting ready to come home to you. Give your comfort to those who are mourning, we pray. Safeguard missionaries and those in the military whose duty takes them into danger, we pray. Call us, O God, to be a part of your grace and your help for others. Bless our mission team as they return from the mission trip and bless those who remain in Nicaragua to continue doing your work. Guide those who lead us in this church, we pray. Especially we ask your blessing upon Pastor Steve, and we ask that you bring him back to us from sabbatical, full of new energy and joy and vision. Bless our children as they prepare to return to school, we pray. Now we bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, remembering God's loving kindness and generosity to us, let us take a moment <coughs> to give back to God what, a little bit of what we receive from God. Let us worship God through the offerings. Displayed. 
Let us pray. O God, who loves us at all times and whose grace surrounds us at all times, we give you thanks for giving us all that we need and sometimes giving us even what we want. In this moment in worship, with gratitude-filled hearts, we bring a portion of what we have received from you. We pray that you will receive them and use them to make disciples for the service of Christ near and far. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated as Lori and our children come forward for children's moment. Thanks, Mingy. Camille, you don't want to be first. You can do it. Good. Lead the way. Excellent. How are you? Good morning, Cynthia. Hey, Davis. Sorry about that, Sam. Good morning. So we have a bunch of friends over in the garden that are going to meet us up in kids' worship, but I have, a, I have a question for you. Can you guess two of the hardest words to say? They're not a super long word like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They're not in another language like Greek or Hebrew. They're not hard to sound out, not even really that hard to say. Can you guess? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to give you a clue from our game series. Here is the game of the week. What do you think? Do you guys know what that game is? Do you know what that word is? Help them out because they can't hear back there. Sorry. Right, and the two words are, I'm sorry. Does anyone have trouble saying those two words? Does anybody have trouble saying those two words? Or is it just me? I'm sorry. Brian, you hear this? I'm sorry. So when you play this game, you get to practice saying sorry. But in my family, when you knock someone back home, you say sorry with a little twinkle. You don't really mean it. But in our Bible story today, it's in Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, and it's about these twin brothers named Jacob and Esau. Well, guess what? The oldest brother is supposed to get the blessing, the inheritance, all the good stuff. Guess what Jacob did? He tricked his dad, and he stole the blessing. Hmm, I'm wondering what the blessing... Who had, you had your third grade Bible already, right? Sam, you got it last yeah. year? Yeah, I did get third grade Bible, you, you're fourth this year. So, and, and, and originally, um, it, his, it was his mom that wanted Jacob to get the blessing. It is really true that the mom was sort of behind that deception. But we're not really talking about that here, Sam. Like, thank you very much. Good job. So, read that right there of why the blessing was so important. A father's blessing was like a powerful player or promise. Whoever had the blessing would be happy and successful. So both Jacob and Esau wanted their father's blessing. They would be happy and successful. So this blessing is really super important. So imagine how Esau felt when Jacob stole it. How do you think he felt? What do you think he felt, Cynthia? Very mad. Very, very mad. He was so mad he wanted to kill his brother. That's how mad he was. So Jacob did the only sensible thing. He ran away. So these brothers are apart for years and years and years, and then they start to come together. Jacob does three things. The first thing he does is he prays to God, because you know what? He's still afraid maybe that his brother's going to kill him, and he needs some courage. The second thing he does he tries to make it right. He sends all these animals to his brother. What kind of animals do you think he might have sent him? What, 
do you think? A tiger. Oh, a tiger would be sweet. So think about shepherds and way, way, way back. That's a great guess. Uh, zebra. Oh, I love the zoo animals. All right, Caroline, you got any other guesses that the shepherd might have sent to his brother? Uh, maybe some sheep and cows. Excellent. Like 220 sheep. 220 goats, 50 cows, some donkeys and some camels, just to try to make it right. The third thing that this brother did, he went up to his big brother and he humbled himself all in this effort to say, I'm sorry. So guess what Esau did? Gave him a great big hug. It's not just hard to say I'm sorry, it's also hard to say I forgive you. But guess what? If we have God on our team, we can do both of those things. Let's pray together. Gracious God, give us courage, give us strength to do those right things that can be hard to do. Amen. Do you want to come up?
碎的。The scripture lessons for this morning are taken from two selections. The first, from Luke the 18th chapter, the 9th through the 14th verses. Luke is the gospel of the underdog and sees no limits to the love of God. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regard others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this meant this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And the second passage is from the Sermon on the Mount. And it is where Jesus uh, speaks to, uh, to the issue of judging people. Jesus said, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while there is a log in your eye? You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. This is the word of the Lord. I was walking through the uh, parking lot, a Publix supermarket, and noticed a black vehicle there, a black truck. The black truck had, had two motorcycles standing in the back. A man and his son got out wearing denim. I had an immediate negative reaction. And then I saw a message that was that was scrolled on the back uh, window of the truck. And the message said, you are not righteous enough to judge me. <laughs> you are not righteous enough to judge me. And so I went into the supermarket mumbling under my breath, you are right, bro. <laughs> I am not righteous enough to judge you. Judge that you be not judged, said Jesus. How do we do that? 
It seems like our indoor and outdoor sport is judging other people. We include some people, we exclude some people. We make judges, judgments and often they are snap judgments about a person's appear, based on a person's appearance. We look at people passing by on the street and we say, he's too fat or she's too thin. We have an immediate critique. We say she's good looking and he's rather bad. <laughs> it's categorizing people. On the exclusion side, it is dismissing people. It is judgmental, it's demeaning. We say you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. But what if that first impression is wrong? <laughs> what if we judge their character improperly the first time? A number of years ago, a woman uh, said to me at the door as she was going on, I have a hard time liking you. <laughs> I said, my word, I can't imagine anybody who doesn't like me. So I said, why? She said, you just look, you look almost exactly like my former brother-in-law. <laughs> he was mean to my sister. He ran around and he divorced her. So much for first impressions. Let me give you a short list of the ins and outs when people similar to us judge people. Thin people are in. Fat people are out. Smooth skin is in. Wrinkles are out. Tattoos are really out. Rich is in. Poor is out. Ball caps are in, except in restaurants when they are out. Burkas are out. Yarmulkes and and other, other kinds of caps may be out too. Good workers are in, homeless are out. Blonde hair is in, strawberry hair is out, along with gray hair and no hair at all. <laughs> Unless you happen to be as old as I am and you make allowances. <laughs> Republicans are in and Democrats are out, or vice versa. We tend to demonize those people who are a different party. You remember Shakespeare's King Lear? The king goes half mad, and he's misjudged Cordelia, who is the only daughter he has that really loves him. And she's going to jail with him. And he says to Cordelia, come away to prison. We two alone will sing like birds in a cage. And when thou dost ask me blessing, I'll kneel down and ask of thee forgiveness so we'll live and pray and sing and tell old tales and laugh at gilded butterflies and hear poor rogues talk of court news and we'll talk with them too. Who loses and who wins? Who's in and who's out? And take upon us the mystery of things as if we were God's spies. Huh? That's it. To begin to judge people as if we were God's spies. So when it comes to our judgment of people's character of worth, our snap judgments are often wrong. So look at the, out of the window of your car. You can judge those walking by as being unfit or unclean or homely or not your kind. They are discarded. However, Jesus, who is the great includer of the least and the lost, said, judge that you be not judged. 
He didn't mean we should ignore wickedness or bad taste. He meant that we were to, not to be judgmental in our dealing with people. Just because they were different from us and not our kind, it is judging their inner character and value on superficial kinds of qualities. One person I know says that when he begins to discard somebody in his mind, he immediately sends out an arrow prayer. And the prayer is, oh Lord, bless him or bless her. And amazingly, the judgment goes away. Why not try that? Judge that you be not judged. Well, all of this becomes a great deal more serious than what I've been saying if we're talking about the kingdom of God. Who gets into heaven and who doesn't? Whom does God love and whom does God not love? Who is favored with eternity and who is not? We are apt to assume that God agrees with us on who's in and who's out, right? Some would say when we do that, we are playing God. We assume religious people are in and irreligious people are out. We assume Christians are in and Muslims are out, right? But the biblical message is that God, as we know him in Christ, is far more inclusive than we are. In fact, we may be surprised about who's in and who's out. I had a prodigal grand grandfather on my wife's side. He was a band leader in downtown Pittsburgh, and one day he just left his wife and went into the city. Some years later, he came back and was forgiven by Jenny's grandmother. And he was amused to find out that he had two grandchildren that were going into the ministry. And he liked this one poem which he knew by memory and which he quoted many and many a time. The poem is entitled, Be Not Surprised. It goes like this. I dreamed death came the other night and heaven's gate swung wide. An angel with halo bright, earth ushered me inside. And there to my astonishment, stood folks I judge and labeled as quite unfit, of little worth and spiritually disabled. Indignant words rose to my lips, but never were set free. For every face showed stunned surprise. No one expected me. <laughs> one of America's clergymen said, you can summarize Jesus' comments and his teaching and his parables this way, if you think you're in, you may be out. And if you think you're out, you may be in. Now think of that with regard to the kingdom of God. It's a little upsetting, but may help us to be less judgmental. Let me mention some of the outsiders in scripture who get in and some of the insiders who are out. Two men went to church. One a religious leader, a Pharisee. He thanks God that he is good compared to so many other people. He is not an adulterer. Uh, he's not homeless. He's not a thief. He paid his taxes to the government, and he paid his tithes to God. And looking down at the tax collector, he prayed, or he brayed, I am also not a hated tax collector who takes money, works for Rome, and skims money off the top for himself. The other fellow, that tax collector now, is praying also, and the tax collector beats his breast, says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's the shocker. It's the last fellow, 
It's the crooked tax collector who gets forgiven and is made just. He's in. And the religious guy, in his contempt and pride, is out. Surprise! To the holiest church people of Jesus' day, Jesus said, the publicans and prostitutes will enter before you. He turned exception, acceptance and rejection upside down. About the wealthy, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. And Fred Beekner, who's a great writer, put it this way, Jesus remarked one day that for a rich person to get to heaven is about as easy as a Cadillac to get through a revolving door. <laughs> Gulp. We Americans, you know, are in the top 5% in wealth in the world. That's all of us. And so the disciples say in horror to Jesus, then who can be saved? Good question. And Jesus' answer, he says, with God, all things are possible. And that makes me feel a little better, but makes me feel like I'm a great exception to the rule. Maybe I'm going to end up at the end of the line. Jesus included a lot of people who were considered to be out. His arms were wide. He was inclusive. Jesus complimented a centurion, a Gentile soldier, an officer, whom, who, who was hated by the people. Jesus said about him, he said this remarkable thing about this soldier. He said, no one in, in, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. Truly, I tell you, Many will come from east and west to eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. Let me go further. Who was the hero in the story of the Good Samaritan? It was a Samaritan. Remember, Samaritans were half-breeds. They had intermarried with non-Jews. They were considered to be religious outcasts. And yet Jesus makes the Samaritan the model of a loving neighbor. And the priest and the Levite who passed by are the bad guys. And in the most famous of Jesus' parables, the parable of the prodigal son, it's the prodigal boy that comes home and is received with a hug from the father. And the good boy, the proud boy, the unforgiving boy, was corrected and chagrined. Also, the last words, almost the last words of Jesus, he offers to a thief on the cross next to him. The thief probably had never been baptized. He certainly was not honorable, and he was just choosing his last-minute desperate confession. And yet Jesus says to that poor fellow, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. Notice that all of these persons who received graciousness from Jesus were humble. None were proud of their goodness, and all were labeled as out by the good folks. So what about heaven then? Who gets there? Well, first, if the basic rules of justice work, we're all goners. We are all lost. You know the story about the woman who went to a portrait painter and said, I want you to do me justice. And the the artist replied in a somewhat ungentlemanly manner, Madam, what you need is not justice, but mercy. <laughs> so do we all. Be careful how we judge, as the fellow in the truck said, we are not righteous enough.
to judge him. Second, we do not want to judge because who's in and who's out is God's decision, not ours. There's a story about a famous American League baseball umpire by the name of Bill Clem. He was known as having one of the best voices in all of the league. He could stand up and talk, and people would hear him all over the park. One day, he was umpiring a game in Yankee Stadium there in the Bronx. The score was 2-2 in the bottom of the ninth inning, Cleveland and New York. The Yankees were at bat, and there was two out. Frankie Corsetti, the potential winning run, was on second base. The batter sliced a single to center field. The center fielder ran as fast as he could to get the ball and to throw it toward home plate. Frankie Crisetti rounded third base and was digging for home plate. And the Cleveland Indians catcher caught the ball and tagged Frankie Crisetti as he crossed the plate. The Cleveland Indian ball players in the dugout yelled, he's out. The Yankee fans screamed, he's safe. And the umpire, Bill Clem, took off his mask, walked across the plate, looked around at everyone in the stadium and said, he ain't nothing till I call it. God is the one who calls it. The third reason why we should uh, not judge too quickly on this side of the earth is this. It's because we do not wish to be judged ourselves in the same fashion. Jesus said it, judge not that you be not judged, for with that judgment you make, you will be judged. That's a strong reason. I don't wish to be judged on the same basis as I have sometimes judged other people. That's scary. It's like the Lord's Prayer where we, we say every Sunday without really thinking it, we are going to be forgiven in exactly the same way that we have forgiven others. There's a bite to it. You know, when we were kids and someone would call us a name or someone would, would uh, pick on us, you know what we used to say? It takes one to know one takes a sinner to know a sinner. Finally now, and most importantly, do you know what saves us from being judgmental? It's not that we try harder, because we can't do it alone. What saves us from being judgmental is truly experiencing the gracious love of God for us. Brennan Manning, the former drunk and priest, and evangelists said that when you and I meet God face to face, he will ask us only one question. And that question isn't, have you been good? Instead, he will ask, do you believe I have loved you? That I've waited for you day by day, that I yearn for the sound of your voice, and I'd rather die than lose you? Brennan said you will meet a ferocious love on that day because God loves us just as we are, not as we should be, for none of us are as we should be. That's our cure. It's not that we're sure of ourselves. It's, it's not that we go before the throne of God with our righteousness. It's, it's not even that we are left here and then there, forever pruning our vices and preening our virtues. It's not that. No, the kicker is this. It's knowing that we are met today and will be met tomorrow with that sheer amazing grace 
that we just sang about. That burns all of our judgment of others away if we finally get it this morning. We are not judged the way we are tempted to judge others. If we allow God, he will love us into loving. He will accept us into accepting. He will forgive us into forgiving. We are graced. We are graced by the life and the death of Jesus Christ into being gracious. Jesus died rather than lose you. And you know what? When Jesus invites a ragamuffin like you and me in, it's really hard for us to judge anybody else as being out. Right? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and then forevermore. Amen.
Church of the Palms is located at 3224 Bee Ridge Road in Sarasota, Florida, 34239.